Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Wilshire Church of Christ. I am glad that you're here. I have been blessed over the last two weeks, three weeks now. Have you guys enjoyed this? Is anyone awake? It's been a blessing, and I pray it's been a blessing to the Eastside Church. I know here at Wilshire, uh, we've had several people encouraged. It's been great to see uh, friends, to meet new friends, to build new relationships, and that's what we want to do, and I hope that you've enjoyed that as well. And thank you to Ethan and to uh, Brother Gary for your singing. You almost feel guilty stopping the singing to get up to speak, but I appreciate everyone and, and all that you've been doing. I do need to clarify something. I did have a tie on when I got here tonight. But out of a, a gesture of hospitality, when I saw that Gary didn't have a tie, I only did it for you, Gary. Only for you. Have you noticed the way we use the English language? We tend to use words together so often that when you hear one without the other, it doesn't seem to make sense. Let me try this. Peanut butter and? Bacon and? Boomer? That was dirty. That wasn't even fair. I don't know why I did that. Let's try one more. Fellowship. Oh, come on. Meal. The answer is meal. Fellowship. How many of you said meal? How many of you don't obviously know Jesus? Fellowship meal. We always use those two words together. Have you noticed that? In our minds, those two words belong together. It's, it's been interesting as we've started planning this, uh, Gary Sr. and Jim and I and Shannon, we started talking about this over a meal. Gary Jr. and I, we've met twice over a meal to plan. This is why when you look at the four men speaking, we don't worry about strong gusts of wind in Oklahoma. This is also why, any brothers or sisters from Memorial Road, I'm worried about your preacher. Have you seen Phil? A strong gust of wind and he's gone. You're looking for a new preacher. Because preachers understand that fellowship and meal go together. It's the church. It's the way we've kind of seen this through history. And we kind of come about this honestly. We've inherited this from our brothers and sisters throughout Scripture. When Jesus wanted people to understand what the kingdom of God is like, He reached for language of a meal, of a banquet. And you look at the, the invite list, and you look at the people who showed up there to share that meal. And Jesus was making a point that the people we eat with make a difference. In the book of Acts, when we're trying to show the health of the church and the community of God, and as the Spirit of God begins to work in the church, 3,000 people become Christians in Acts 2. And then what do we do? We start to eat together. Day by day, they shared food. It's just part of who we are because food is essential, at least in the first century. Who you share food with is no small issue. But fellowship meals are fraught with all sorts of dangers and concerns. You just watch around Wilshire. We're going to have a fellowship meal. We're going to feed East Side, and the ladies break out into a sweat. We're not just feeding our church, we're feeding another church. 
It's just, is there going to be enough food? As a preacher and you go to a visiting church, people watch to see if you eat their dish. (laughs) This is not a comfortable position to be in. I almost divided a family over that issue. I went, it was a, a beautiful family in Alabama. I went to stay with them. I stayed with the man and wife, and they were going to cook dinner, and they lived next door to his mother and his aunt. They were going to cook the meat, and their mother and aunt were going to bring the vegetables. I was 16 years old. 16-year-old boys do not eat vegetables. Now, you also need to know that I'm staying in the home with a beautiful family, a black man and a white wife, and his mother lived next door, and his sister lived next door. They were asked to bring the vegetables. I did not know that. So I went through the line, and I loaded my plate with all the meat, all the food that the white sister had cooked. I assure you that my food choice had nothing to do with the color of her skin, but everything to do with the content of her dish. And after I realized the mistake I had made, I ate more vegetables that weekend than I have eaten since. Fellowship meals are fraught with all sorts of challenges. This is why when you read the New Testament, the issue of food comes up all over the place. There are lots of food fights in Scripture. Jesus goes and he calls a man by the name of Matthew. Matthew, I want you to be my disciple. Matthew's a tax collector. Matthew throws a party for Jesus, and Jesus goes and he eats in the house of Matthew and his tax collector friends and other sinners. And in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus gets in trouble because who he's eating with. The story of the Good Samaritan, or I'm sorry, the story of the prodigal son, is all set in movement and all being told because Jesus is in trouble for who he's eating with. Why is he eating with publicans and sinners? And Jesus said, let me tell you a story about a man who had two sons. It's fraught with all sorts of challenges. You see, the two problems in Scripture is who you're eating with and what you're eating. Jesus gets in trouble for who he's eating with. Romans and the Corinthians are in trouble for what they're eating. Meat offered to idols. Can you eat it in the place it was offered? Can you eat it knowing it was offered? Who would have thought that fellowship meals could be fraught with so many problems? But they are. Because food is essential to life and the people with whom you share it is essential too. And I say all that to invite you to Acts chapter 11. Because in Acts chapter 11, Peter is on his way back from a highly successful gospel meeting effort. Acts chapter 10 is the story of Peter praying on the top of a house in Joppa, and at the same time a man by the name of Cornelius is praying back in Caesarea. Now you need to know that this story in Acts is so important and so key that it's told twice. You always know in Scripture something is important when it shows up more than one time. Everything in Scripture is important, but Luke really wants you to hear this message. So he's going to tell the story in Acts 10, and he's going to retell the story in large part in Acts chapter 11. So Peter's praying at the same time Cornelius is praying. And both of these men have a lot of things in common. They're both seeking God. They both evidently care about the people of God. 
Cornelius has helped with the synagogue. Peter obviously has been helping with the poor and preaching the gospel. And they care for God's people. But there are also a few differences between the two. Peter's a Jew. Cornelius is a Gentile. And he's not just any Gentile. He is a Roman. These are no small differences. Cornelius happens to be praying at the same time Peter is praying. And in his vision, Cornelius' vision is far less strange than Peter's. Cornelius' vision simply is God has heard your prayers, Cornelius, and, and he's, he remembers the alms you've given to his people, and now send to Joppa. And in Joppa you'll find Peter. Send for him, he'll come and he'll teach you. Peter's vision is a little more quirky than that. Peter, a good Jew, is hungry when he's praying. And when you're hungry and praying, strange things happen. Have you ever noticed that when, when you're hungry in the closing prayer at church, it always goes longer? Every time. And Peter, here he's up there praying, and God decides to give him a vision. Three times. He's hungry. And the vision is simply a sheet filled with animals that good Jewish people don't eat. And God says, Peter, arise, kill and eat. And Peter answers just like every good Jew is supposed to answer. I've never eaten that sort of stuff in my life. Now, behind the text and behind the story is a big message. Because in the first century world, Israel, weren't their, they, they weren't their own people. They didn't have their own nation, per se. They didn't have their own king, per se. And so how do you know you're Jewish? What does it mean to be Jewish? Well, circumcision, kosher laws. That's what makes you Jewish. And so if God is asking Peter to eat something he doesn't normally eat, what is he saying to Peter? There's something about the distinctions you make. Something about the differences we emphasize that I'm taking away. Well, Peter gets the message. And at the moment he stops praying, men from Cornelius arrive. And he travels back to the house of Cornelius. I've got to be honest, any time you take people from different backgrounds and different cultures and you put them in the same setting and same room, people hold their breath. Is somebody going to say something they shouldn't? Is someone going to misunderstand something? I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. And so when Peter shows up at the house of Cornelius, you kind of hold your breath as he stands at the door. If he crosses the threshold, some things are going to be different. And the funny thing is, when you read the text in Acts chapter 10, there is weird all over the text. For one, Peter shows up and Cornelius bows down and begins to worship Peter, or what appears to be. And Peter, remember, he's the guest. He showed up to Cornelius' house. He says, get up, I'm just a man. That's a little weird. And Peter, God bless Peter, but the first thing he says when he walks in the house of Cornelius, you know it's against the law for me to be here? <laughs> Peter, why do you have to say stuff like that? And then Peter begins to preach, and if things weren't weird and uncomfortable enough, right before he can say as we stand and sing, the Holy Spirit falls on people and they start speaking in tongues. That's weird. Now, Peter 
had his reservations about going into Cornelius' house. Because the, the Gentiles had said some strange things about him. You know, the Jewish people, they think that they deserve a week, a day off every week. They're lazy. They're entitled. They're spoiled. They won't eat pork. You know, pork's the cheapest meat you can buy in the market in the first century. And they won't eat the cheap stuff. They won't go to certain parties. They're too good to be seen with us. But you know, the Jews had said some things about the Gentiles as well. They're pagans. Their sexual practice, their food practice, the things they do in the house. And Peter shows up to the door. Do you realize how hard it is for Peter to cross that threshold? Brothers and sisters, listen. Acts 10 is not about the conversion of Cornelius. It's about the conversion of Peter. To get Peter across the threshold into the house of Cornelius is no small task. But he goes. And he begins to preach the gospel of Jesus just as he's come to know it. And the Holy Spirit falls on them just like it did Peter in the beginning. Now here's where things get interesting. We go to Acts chapter 11. Peter goes back to Jerusalem and he's given this report. I've been to the household of Cornelius. We preached, we baptized, and we had this meal and, we, and he's interrupted. Excuse me, you did what? You ate with Cornelius? Peter, you can go and you can preach them the gospel because they need to hear it. They're pagans. They need to clean their lives up. And Peter, you can go in his house if you have to preach the gospel, but don't you dare sit at the same table. Because if you sit at the same table, you're telling them they're equal to you. You're saying that Gentile lives matter. And Peter, we don't say that. Don't you dare sit with them. Don't you dare build real relationships with these people. Baptize them and send them off to their own side of town. Baptize them and build them their own church buildings. But don't you dare... Don't you dare eat with them. That's what they're mad at. They're not mad that they're baptized into Christ. They're not mad that the gospel has come to them. They're not mad that they've given their lives to Jesus. They're mad that they're looking for real relationships. And so Peter gets in a little bit of trouble in Acts chapter 11. It is, if you will, another food fight in the New Testament. And Peter begins to recount the story. And he tells it almost in a way that says, what else was I supposed to do? Look, I'm up there preaching. I'm preaching my little Jewish heart out and I'm telling them the story just as I've heard it. I tell them about John the Baptist and I tell them about Jesus and I tell them about the crucifixion. And in the middle of my sermon, God didn't even wait for my poem. In the middle of my sermon... In the middle of my sermon, the Holy Spirit falls on them. You know what that tells me? God accepted them. It's not, they didn't get the Holy Spirit when Peter said, now excuse me for a minute, I'm going to lay hands on them. Then everybody says, well, why did you lay hands on them? They got the Spirit directly from the hand of God. The same God gave the same Spirit to the Gentiles. And Peter says, what else am I supposed to do? If God has accepted them, we should too. Peter says, I've learned that God does not show distinctions. 
You see, Peter is sharing a meal and he's sharing real relationships. God calls us to real relationships. What does that look like? We rejoice when our brothers and sisters rejoice. We mourn when they mourn. We share with them. We live with them. We minister with them. When my brothers and sisters face injustice, I face it with them. When my brothers and sisters are felt let, feel left out, I speak out. When the world around us debates who lives matter, I stand up and without any hesitation, I let them know my brothers and sisters, their lives matter. That's what a real relationship looks like. It's no secret that we haven't done this well. We've stayed on our sides of towns, and I'm not ashamed, or I am ashamed to admit, that I've been at Wilshire for 15 years. The church thinks it's longer than that. I've been at Wilshire for 15 years, brothers and sisters, and within the last two months, I sat across the table from Gary Jones Sr. for the first time. How long have you been there? 15 years and 10 years. What took us so long to sit across the table? I've been at Wilshire for 15 years and Dwayne Case has been at Northeast for almost as long. We had lunch for the first time just a few weeks ago. I'm not proud of that. I've known Gary Jr. for a while, but it's taken us a while to eat lunch together. Why is that? When I read Acts chapter 11, I find out that Peter ate with Cornelius. Part of me wonders, what was on the menu? I'd like to think this is the first time Peter in his life ever ate bacon. I don't know if that's true. In fact, I've got reasons to doubt it. One of the reasons I doubt it is because he gets up and walks away from the table in Galatians chapter 2. He would not have done that if bacon was on the table. Just a hunch. And I also don't think that because one of the things you begin finding them working their way through is a respect for each other's culture. So that when the church has to meet, because this causes quite the stir, they meet in Acts chapter 15. What are we going to do with the Gentiles? They come up with this list of things. Things polluted by idols, stay away from if it's been strangled, if it's been, don't eat the blood and You know, these things, these are things, sexual immorality, that have a a background in law, but also have a way of saying respect culture. And brothers and sisters, nobody is asking anybody to change. What we are asking is to respect each other. People always get suspicious of actions, and that's unfortunate. People say, well, why are you guys doing this? Look, we're not asking any churches to close and join with the others. We're not asking anybody to send us your members. In fact, I'll send you some of ours. Half this side of the church is sweating it now. Here's why we're doing it. Because we're the people of God. And because you are my brothers and sisters. And it's time that we minister together. It's time that we be the people of God. 
And it's not easy. I know it's not easy because Acts 15, we have a council meeting about it. The book of Romans has to fight over what we do with Jews and Gentiles. The book of Ephesians has to figure out what to do with Jews and Gentiles. Galatians is all about Jew and Gentile. Colossians. The rest of the New Testament wrestles this problem. It's not easy. But brothers and sisters, it's not optional. It would have been 10 plus years ago that I met Jeremy Beller for the first time. Uh, my wife and I, well, she wasn't my wife at the time, uh, we were in search of marriage counseling and we wanted uh, to find the best Christian counselor in all of, I'm trying to make it sound good, in all, <laughs> in all of the metro. Uh, no, we, we, we actually, uh, Jeremy did our marriage counseling. Uh, and we've been married. 10, almost 11 years, and it's crazy how, how God brings things full circle. Uh, never ever thought that I would share a pulpit with you um, on a night like this. As Jeremy said, we, we like to eat. Um, we, I'm not proud of that. Um, it wasn't always this big, um, but, uh, but life, life happens. Um, interesting what can be, be accomplished over a meal. Um, very interesting story there in Acts chapter 10 and chapter 11 where we see this response from this meal and it would make you it would make you begin to ask yourself what in the world was Peter thinking uh, what in the world could have been going through his mind to engage in such a crazy uh, crazy uh, venture like that uh, but may I invite you to Acts chapter 9, maybe if we back up before this story takes place, uh, I think we'll see something very interesting there that I hope will both challenge you and then ultimately encourage you. Um, Acts chapter 9, verse number 43. Acts chapter 9, verse number 43. One, one, one simple verse that I want us to take a look at for just a, a couple of moments as we tie this thought together. The text says this. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. Um, three things I want us to take a look at really quick, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll get out of the way. I don't want to stand between you and your, your casserole on tonight. Uh, but 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 three things I, I think that this one verse really really screams to us that I, that I hope we can be challenged by and encouraged. The first thing is this: it's an unpopular situation. And thank you. I'm, I'm about to pass. Thank you. Good God Almighty. An unpopular situation that we see we see here in this text. The second thing that we see in this very verse is an unabbreviated stay. Now, the third thing that I want us to take a look at before we wrap this thing up and put a bow on it is an unbothered strength. Uh, an unpopular situation. The text says, so it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. Um, he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. Um, the text tells us that, that Simon decides to stay, uh, Peter decides to stay with this guy Simon, a tanner. And, and a lot of you are looking at me like, what's the big deal? 
Uh, you, you're looking at me like, let's just get on to the, to the, the crux of the matter. But, but, but hold on, this is a speed bump that you need to understand before we get to chapter 10 and chapter 11. The text says that Peter decides to stay with a guy by the name of Simon while he's in Joppa. But the problem is that Simon is a tanner. Some of y'all, are looking, you must not know what a tanner is. Uh, you see, Peter decides to stay with a tanner. Uh, a tanner in that day was uh, was viewed upon as disgusting and, and, and filthy and, and dirty and, and, and looked down upon and beneath everybody. Some of you all, maybe you've never been looked down upon like that because you, you, I, I can tell by the look on your face. But a tanner, uh, they were viewed as gross. Uh, they were viewed as, as beneath uh, humanity. You see, the job of a tanner was to simply do that to tan animal skins. And so there was blood involved and they would kill the animals and they would skin the animals and they would hang the animals out to dry. In fact, there are only three times that we see in the Bible that a tanner is mentioned. It's in Acts chapter 9 in this verse and a couple of verses in Acts chapter 10. The text tells us in chapter 10 that this house was near the sea. Why is that important? Because it smelled so bad that folks didn't want them around everybody else in the city. I wish I had some folks who, who folks have looked down upon and have kept, maybe, maybe that's not y'all. Uh, they're out on the, on the coast because they don't want them in the city. It's also twofold. You see, because they needed to cure the skins, they used the sea, uh, the seawater, the salt in the seawater to turn the skins into leather. So here we find Peter deciding to stay with a nasty, filthy, unclean individual. It's an unpopular situation. But, but what I find even more interesting about this is if we back up in chapter 9, uh, we see that Peter had just come uh, from restoring life to a friend of his by the name of Dorcas. Some uh, translations may, may name her Tabitha. Uh, the text says that his good friend had gotten sick. And it gotten so sick that she, she ended up dying, and they knew that Peter was uh, not far off from the city, so they asked Peter to come back into the city limits, and Peter asked everybody to leave the room so, so he could pray for her. And when he prayed for her, the text says that life was restored back to her. I wish I had some folks who understood that every now and again, you've got to clear the room of all the noise and all the, 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 the chatter of society and all the people around you and all the naysayers who are saying you shouldn't be here tonight and just spend some time with you and God. Pray to Him and let Him work. The text says that, that, that Peter cleared the room and said, let me, let, me, let me talk to my father on your behalf. Bible says after he did so, life was restored unto her. And so I, I have to ask myself, case okay, so I say, Gary, why didn't Peter stay there? They shared the faith. The text says, so it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. The Bible doesn't tell us why Peter is there. But it tells us for some strange reason, Peter decided to engage himself in this unpopular situation. Uh, whether you know it or not, there are some folks around the city who are looking at you differently because you decided to be here on tonight. Or there are some folks that are looking at you because you decided to post about this on Facebook or because you decided to tell people that I'm willing to look at people for who they are as opposed to what I've heard about them. It's an unpopular situation. Second thing is this. Again, I want to get you right to your castle. I can, I can smell it a little. I can... I hope that's casserole. <laughs> Ain't got no tanners in here. Okay. Uh, 
It's an unpopular situation. But the second thing that we see in this verse is this, is that it's an unabbreviated stay. I think this is very important. The text says this. So it was that he said he stayed in Joppa many days with Simon a tanner. Now, the text doesn't tell us Peter's check in date or his check out date or what kind of rate he got, or if he got points for staying there, if they had an indoor pool. I don't know. I, I doubt that they had Wi-Fi back then. I don't know what kind of curbside sandal service they may have had uh, back then. But the text says that he stayed with this man many days. I'm not sure what they were doing. I'm not sure why they were doing it. But... I don't even know if they had disagreements. I'd have to assume that they didn't agree on all points. I'd have to assume at some point it got really awkward in the room. But no matter how difficult it got, the text says night after night, Peter kept coming back. Night after night, Peter kept coming back. He said he stayed many days. It was an unabbreviated stay. Church, my question to you is this. We do a real good job of visiting the Tanner's house, but my question to you is this. When are you going to stop by and stay for a while? We do a real good job of getting together on Sunday nights and singing together and praying together and worshiping together, but my question to you is this. Where can I find you throughout the week? We do a really good job of coming together and, 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 and doing this, and I, I love what we're doing, but, but there are real-life situations that are happening to all of us, and when we need one another, we're nowhere to be found because we stopped by the tennis house, but we didn't stay for many days. The text says that it was, it was an unabbreviated state. What, what, whatever happened there, what, what, whatever difficulty or disagreement or differences that they had in common, Peter continued to come back. You see, we like to visit the Tanner's house, but we don't like to stay too long. Uh, you see, if you, you, you visit the Tanner's house long enough, you start smelling like the Tanner. You visit the Tanner's house long enough, Dr. Carpenter, people start associating you with the Tanner. Oh, are you like them? Well, well, I, I, I get the, the disdain for wanting to be labeled with the tanner and associated with the tanner and view it as less than or beneath or, 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 or not worthy or, or, or not good enough. But what if I told you that there are some tanners sitting among us tonight? It's my third and final point, and I'm out of your hair. This text also shows us that there was an unbothered strength, an unbothered strength. So it was, verse number 43, that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. There's a part of this story that's powerful that we congratulate Peter about. Peter, you went and you stayed with the tanner. That's great. You you got out of your comfort zone. You you really you just you, you defied all odds. You didn't care what society thought. You went on in and way to go, Peter. That's great. But haven't we ever stopped to consider this text from the perception or the perspective of the tanner? What did it take to let Peter in? Um, some folk have only been Peter, and you've never been the tanner. And so sometimes it's hard for you to understand what life is like for a tanner. And if you don't understand what life is like for a tanner, sometimes you want to drop by and the tanner really ain't having company right now. Uh, I, see, I'm, I'm talking about the folks who, who've been through some stuff. 
or some folks who are suffering maybe even right now. I, I'm talking about folks who maybe have, 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 have gone through a marriage and maybe the marriage didn't work and, and, and now you're living life as a divorced Christian and, and now you feel like you're a germ because all of the church looks at you differently because your marriage didn't work. Uh, maybe I'm talking about people who are dealing with low self-esteem. Maybe some relationship that you were in just didn't work. Some no-good, low-down guy told you that you weren't beautiful, lady. So, Susan, that you weren't pretty and that you weren't worth anything. And now you're struggling with your own self-worth. Maybe you are a tanner in your own way. Maybe I'm talking about somebody who sat on the front row and had to bury a loved one and, and you never bounced back from it. I'm talking about folks who don't always feel like having company. There's a part of this text where we've got to respect the unbothered strength of the tanner. Oh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a very, very real, very real responsibility of the tanner. And it's not an easy responsibility. But I want to speak to all the tanners on tonight as you live outside of the cities and as you live outside of the, the, the circles of norm and as you, you, you go out and you do your own thing as an outlier. I want you to know that you just continue to tan and continue to do what God has called you to do. But in due time, God will send your Peter by. You just keep on living. You just keep on tanning. In due time, God will send, will send, your, I don't know, will send your, your, your tanner by. Um, it is it is it is very very important that we understand that life will happen. Problems will come. It's not a matter of if, but rather of when. Uh, you need to understand that problems do not happen to you only. Uh, you you your life is not exclusive to trouble. But you need to understand that just because you fall does not mean you don't have a responsibility to get back up. I'm talking to the tanners. At some point, you just keep on tanning. And leave the door unlocked. God will send your Peter by. Sometimes or too often times we allow situations to get the best of us and we say, well, you know what? This is just who I am. It's what I've always been. It's all I can ever be. Most tanners understand this. We're tanners by trade. Uh, uh, Simon of Joppa, his text doesn't tell us this, but his daddy probably was a, was a, was a, was a tanner. He was a tanner by trade. Most people who are struggling uh, in life right now come from a long line of struggle. I'm talking about in, in an emotional way, in a, in a very real way, but, but, but I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't address the, the elephant in the room. There are times where, where, the, the, where the tanner or, or, or where the, the outcast uh, is, 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 is calling and the door is unlocked and we're saying, Peter, please stop by. And Peter looks inside the door, inside the house, see whose it is, and he keeps walking. There are very real challenges that we need one another for. Our society is jacked up. It's jacked up. We have, we have problems with race relations in our country. But, but let me tell you this. I need you. And I need you. And I need you. I know I got Dwayne. I want you to catch this. But I need you. Why? Because systems... Never change until those who are in control of them change them. This is probably oversimplified, and, and, and I hope it doesn't offend you, but slavery never ended because two black guys got tired of working. In fact, slavery didn't end because a black because a slave went to a slave owner and said, "Look here, man, I've had enough. It's been good while it lasted. I'm gonna go take my family. We out." 
It ended because, can I be be frank with you? It ended because a white man said to another white man, this is wrong, man, I'll fight you over it. Literally. There are tanners around you who need you. Understand that not everybody's called to be a tanner. Some of you are called to simply open the door, Peter, come in and help me. But my job is to make sure that the doors are locked so when you come to help me, I can receive Jesus as he comes. Leave you with this example. As life comes, as, as, we, as we deal with all, all, the, all the, the, the muddiness and all the, the craziness of, 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 of everything that, 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 that happens, uh, you've got two choices. Either you deal with it and you make it through. Or you let it take you out. Um, if I had a pot right here, you know what? This is this is this is Jeremy. Can I use you? Come on, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I had Jeremy, Sean, come on, Sean, come on. This this is go, this is going to be a melting pot. Y'all like that? Come on. Yeah. Put your arms out like like your basketball hoops. Just like no, you're going to play like ring around the rosy. Put your arms together like like this. Like do you take this man? Yeah, like that. Um. This, no, 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 no. We're not going there. We're not going there. Like, not really. Okay, so this is a pot. Use your, use your imagination. This is the pot, right? And it's just boiling. Boiling water just, and just, you can hear like the steam. Say that. Okay, gotcha. So, so the pot is boiling, right? Pot is boiling, and it's hot water, and it's hot water, right? And if I stick my hand, oh my gosh, I burn myself. If I had a potato in my hand and an egg in my hand, and I dropped them both in this water, for an amount of time and I took them out, I'd have two different results. You see, it's the same situation for the egg as it was for the potato. But what made the potato soft hardened the egg. Question to you is this. How will you react to what life brings you? You can sit down, pot. I appreciate it. How will you react to what life brings your way? As Jeremy said, it's no longer optional. I'm not letting you not love me. I'll remind you of such periodically. But we have to get to a point where we understand, much like Peter, um, that it's worth visiting the tanner. I I would argue, I I would submit to myself uh, that that Peter didn't stay at uh, Tabitha's house after he uh, restored her back to life because I think the text implies that Peter went back to where he was already staying. He was already staying at the Tanner's house uh, b- before he went. Let's spend time with one another outside of, of Sunday evening. This does us no good to do this, and I see you in the Walmart, and you keep walking. This does us no good to, to do this together, and we get to the PTA meeting at our children's schools, and we're like, oh, do I know you? Yeah. We've got to get to a point where we're real about what's going on. And we're going to vow to make a change. I've been tasked with, with, with making sure that we provide an opportunity for everybody in this room to come to know Jesus on tonight. Um, if you are with us tonight and you don't share in our religious convictions, I think you, you are you, you're in a great place. Uh, because you are, you are in a place where you can make the best decision of your life. Um, I don't think that Peter stopping by the Tanner's house was planned. And some of the best things in life 
that happen aren't planned. We look at things like the I Have a Dream speech that Martin Luther King made and, and how we remember that one speech. And th the reality is that that one speech really wasn't what was on his paper. I don't know how many people know that. Martin Luther King is actually reading this speech where he was told to ditch the I Have a Dream part because it just wasn't good enough. And Mahalia Jackson is sitting behind him. And, you know, this is a little different at the black church. We, we talk as the preachers. We kind of talk back to him. You know, talk, sir. Yes, sir. You know. So Martin's preaching, and behind him, Mahalia's like, tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about it. And eventually, you know, I have a dream, right? It's the only thing that we remember him by. But let me, let me encourage you to, to, to make a decision on a whim tonight to be the best decision of your life. The question is this. Do you believe what we've talked about? Do you believe that Jesus Christ has the power to save you? If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, it's, it's very simple. Are you willing to change your ways in order to follow his ways. Um, if you're willing to do that, uh, are you willing to, 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 to confess him uh, before me? And he says, if, if you confess me down here, I'll confess you up there. But if you act like you don't know me down here, I'm going to get you when we get up there. Right? If you're willing to publicly confess him, the greatest, the, 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 the greatest uh, decision you can make tonight is to be baptized for the remission of your sins. This is a, and, and nobody, I believe, this is a church that will baptize you right now. Right now. Um, right now for the remission of your sins. Question to you is this. Do you believe it? Do you, do you, trust, do you trust him enough uh, to give your life to him? I want to do something before we close. Is it okay? If I, I'm going to touch something that I didn't ask about. So don't get, if I get in trouble, please don't. My wife is here. Don't, don't wait till she leaves. Okay. I was, I'm not going to do that. I was trying to move this ladder, and, I'm a, and our church's insurance won't cover that. So it's going to make this really cool analogy. Um, I just saw my life flash before my eyes. Man, that ladder is much bigger in person. It's coming so fast. Give me a second. Whew. If you need to come, uh, God is calling. The opportunity is now. Any NASCAR fans? NASCAR fans? Anybody? I know we culturally don't watch it, but do you guys? <laughs> NASCAR? Anybody? Raise your hand high. It's like two people. I'm disappointed, Wilshire. Two people. I'll, I'll leave you with this, and I'll stand up here. So, so, so in NASCAR, um, there are NASCAR is like little cars. You guys know that it's cars and people drive them. It's like a race <laughs> to see who wins the race, right? But in NASCAR, you got the guy. Man, it's crazy. <laughs> NASCAR, you got you got the cars, right? And they're driving around the deal, and they're going so fast, and, and I could never ride one of those cars. I have, I have, I'm, I just can't do it. But they're flying around, they're flying around. You got, you have the guy in the car, but the windshields are a certain size. And you ever notice the side mirrors are really, really, really small? It's because for, for safety reasons, they don't really want you looking around, right? But what they have done is up high in the press box, they have something called a spotter. And what the spotter does is the spotter's job is to tell you, turn left, turn right, speed up, slow down, watch out, go faster. In the same way, we are living our lives and God simply is calling you tonight to let him be your spotter. He wants to tell you when to go, 
when to slow down, when to look left, when to go right. And much like that driver, your responsibility tonight is only one thing. Just keep going until he tells you to stop. If you need to respond in any way, let's stand and we'll sing a song of encouragement all tonight.